Hey, Carl here to say that Music to Code By is now an app called Music to Flow By. Now you can listen to the tracks on your phone with offline capability. The first three tracks are free, and the entire catalog is available by subscription with a new track arriving every month. If you purchase the complete collection before October 24th, you can get a big discount. Check your inbox for an email from carl at pwop.com for the code, or just go to musictoflowby.com for all the links. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we're in some back room somewhere at Microsoft Ignite in Orlando. <laughs> and uh, As usual. It's a huge, huge conference. How yes. many people are here? 25, 30,000. Oh my it's, gosh. You know, I remember the old tech heads we used to go to and it was 15,000. Right. And they would just use the North and South Concourse, but now yeah. we're in the West Concourse as well. But in the North section of the, oh no, we're actually not in the North section today. Yesterday yeah, we, we were. We were in Georgia. We were in Georgia so far, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> but there's now, you know how they always have the buses for, for tech ed? Right. There are 15 different bus lines for Ignite. Oh my. So it's just, you need two different buildings just to park all the buses. Uh. <laughs> It's crazy, it's but bad. it's fun, it's, and it there's a lot, a lot of, of great people walking around here, such as our guest, David Carmona. But before we talk to him, we have this little thing called Better Know Framework to tend to. All right, buddy, what do you got? I did this program a while ago just based on a, a simple B-tree algorithm to make a 20 questions game. Oh, yeah. And so the idea is you think of something and then the, the game asks you these generalized questions. Right. And sort of narrows it down to, are you thinking of a monkey or whatever, right? Yeah. Just in the last few minutes, I went looking to try to fi- see if I could find that in my archives and I couldn't, but I will and I'll post a link to it. But what I did find was an online version of it that looks like the 1990s threw up all over it. By the way, this website, it's at 20q.net. GeoCities called. They want their website designed. Oh, yeah. Back. It's great. That's yeah, awesome. Dub, 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 <laughs> 20, you know, 20q.net. First of all, great domain. That's a coup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no kidding. But basically, uh, you think of something and it asks you all these questions. And I won. In other words, I beat the game. And after 26 questions, it gave up. But it asked me uh, several times what, you know, if it, it, it had a few guesses. But I was thinking of a putty knife. Ah, that's weird. (laughs) And just, you know, that falls into such a broad category of tools that, you know, after a while, I mean, how do you distinguish a putty knife from a screwdriver, from a hammer? Like, you have to ask questions like, can you turn with it, you know? Yeah, it gets a little (laughs) precise. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I was feeling a little smug and thought I would share that. And as I said, when I do dig out my code, I will share that with you as well because I think it's a really, a good example of something that uh, is logical yes and interacts with human language and uh and pretty easy to program and it's it's just a great exercise for anybody who wants to start thinking about algorithms right and they they get much more complicated from there yes they do awesome yeah that's what i got richard who's talking to us grabbed a comment off of show 1413 the one we did at ndc london Right. Back in February of 2017. Actually, it was in January, but we didn't publish till February. And that was the machine learning panel we did with Jennifer Marsman, Evelina Gavrasova, and Barbara Fushinka. We had a bunch of comments on that show, but this particular one I think is going to be relevant to our conversation today, too, with Dave. Yeah. This is from Stephen Burris, who said, machine learning is a very interesting topic. Throughout the show, there were comments on how it could affect advertising agencies, specifically around merchandise. At one point, there were a few comments on how these things can be misused. And I'd like to hear more on this area. Mm. And there was an article on Motherboard, which is a great site, that talked about how data and algorithms were used in Brexit and the Trump presidential campaign. And it is scary how accurate these models are. From the article, it said, on the basis of an average 68 Facebook likes by a user, it was possible to predict their skin color with 95% accuracy, their sexual orientation with 88% accuracy, their affiliation to the Democratic or Republican Party with 85% accuracy. Hmm. But it didn't stop there. Intelligence, religious affiliation, as well as alcohol, cigarette, and drug use, all could be determined. From the data, it was even possible to deduce whether or not someone's parents were divorced. Wow. On previous shows, there was talk of Microsoft Connect and getting a 50% confidence rating on age, gender, and other demographic data. It is funny how these levels of confidence were acceptable and great for marketing people, while developers thought those percentages were horrible. Yeah. Different minds, different viewpoints on it, right? 
While we mainly focus on the data gathering being used for advertising and marketing purposes, it was never really mentioned in other contexts. You could do a giant version of junk stock schemes. You could even get massive public works projects backed and funded. You could totally crush a given business or even a whole government by eroding their popular support and mm. enhancing their opposition. Think P.T. Barnum or the Ponzi schemes that have skimmed from large populations. Yeah. As a friend put it, this is really like swarm robotics, using very tiny nudges millions of times over to get really huge results. Mm. It's scary, but it's also inevitable. People are very susceptible to outside influence. When psychologists got into advertising, it totally changed the landscape of the ad and made billions for the companies involved. This is almost the same thing, but on an even bigger scale. Mm. I think that's definitely a talking point we have to explore, you know. They, I've been doing talks on AI, and part of it has been this conversation about us as developers having to make conscious choices about our belief systems and That's what right. we want to use these powers, so to speak. It's for. rubbing up against our, our moral questions. What, what would you do in that situation? Absolutely. So, Stephen, thank you so much for your comment. I'm sure we'll be addressing it over the next hour. And a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or on any of our social media because we publish every show to Facebook and Google+. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We spackle him with putty knives. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let, let's introduce David Carmona. He's general manager for cloud and enterprise and artificial intelligence at Microsoft. His team is responsible for leading Microsoft AI go-to-market across all enterprise and developer products and services in the company, as well as business strategy and execution. Welcome, David. Thank you. Very good to have you, sir. I've always known you as a studio guy, David. I mean, we've done stuff on and off for many years. Yeah. Worked on a couple of white papers together back yeah, in the day. True. When did you go over to the AI team? Because uh, it's sort of brand new. Yeah, so my, my, my story uh, has been always between very close to .NET. So yes. I've been always very close to .NET. Mm. Being uh, moving from marketing, developer marketing, so doing a lot of you know events, Channel 9, sure. evangelism, and, yeah. and so on on, on .NET. But then uh, later after that, on the broader side, I was the marketing lead for Visual Studio, Visual Studio Team Services, and our entire development platform. Uh, but then I moved to engineering, yeah. so I wanted to uh, to spend time in engineering, and I went, of course, to the .NET team. Right. Yeah. Where else should I go? So I spent some time in there with Scott Super Hunter Scott and, Hunter, yeah, yeah. Hanselman, and friends. Had a lot of fun. Uh, but then they they proposed me to to lead to lead the AI uh, go to market in Microsoft, mm. and boy, it is something new. So that was a stretch. So this is an engineering team in the AI group. No, this is a go-to-market, including business and uh, marketing. Okay, so yeah, showing what we as developers can do with a exactly. with so, AI. Exactly. So the two main areas that I that I focus a lot is uh, so it it can be summarized in one sentence, right? So my my goal in and my role in Microsoft is about bringing AI to every developer and every organization. That that's it, right? So I I do everything that I can do to really. Uh, help developers to, I wouldn't say make a move because it's not really moving to a right. new place. It's extending their capabilities, right? So working on how to bring technology, training and resources together so they can approach AI. And then on the, on the organization side is, of course, working on our business strategy and go to market mm. with the, with the enterprise. So it begs the question, how do you define AI? This is one of the terms in a bucket of terms we've talked about lately. That is grossly misunderstood oh, and thrown yeah. around there. Like, you know, it's, it's something as basic as a B-tree algorithm considered AI if it oh, astonishes yeah. somebody, yeah. you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, it's a big term, right? You have multiple ways of, of defining it. I, I always look at AI not as a technology. Technology or, or techniques is more machine learning, deep sure. learning. Those are all techniques mm -hmm. to accomplish something, right? That something is AI. It's more of a concept, of a goal. Now, how to define it? There are many, many ways of defining it. Yeah. If you go to Wikipedia, it's, it's very vague, right? Because it's just basically saying machine showing intelligence. Right. Okay. So what okay. is intelligence, right? Yeah. And then you go to what is intelligence and, there's a number of ways to define human intelligence. AI is not covering all of them. So it's a little bit misunderstood. How if you look at what is intelligent, you can see things like self-consciousness yeah. right. or creativity. Now you're getting into the Turing empathy, tests and things and like the that. Yeah, and tests, then you right. get into the, into the creepy territory as well, right? Mm -hmm. and the way that we, that we define and we, that we talk about AI is really about three things. So from everything that the human uh, in, uh, mind can do, we focus only on three areas, right? One is the concept of reasoning. 
reasoning, which is a little bit vague term too, but it's about taking data and being able to reason on top of that data. So it's the difference between reasoning and logic. Exactly. So logic is about specific steps that a developer could develop, could program, right? Mm -hmm. Reasoning is more about getting imperfect data and then driving conclusions based on that data. It's a different model. You we don't can't even do that as humans. I mean, forget about yeah. computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that, that's a very interesting area for anything that both developers and enterprises are doing on data. So anywhere that you have data, there's an interesting opportunity Opportunity's to use AI, reason. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. you will not only you will find partners that you couldn't see before by using the latest advancements on AI. But also, it will even help you predict the future or understand the past better, right? And this is, you know, again, I feel like AI has become an umbrella term for a bunch of other tech that we've talked about over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, machine learning and predictive analytics yeah. are now under that umbrella. But I think when you talk about reasoning on data, I tend to think about those Tax. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then, uh, so just, just to close on what is AI. Yeah. Uh, and then we can talk about the technologies. There are two other things that are usually uh, included in their term of AI. Okay. One is, which is not really reasoning over data, but it's more about understanding the world, right? right. That's a huge area for AI. That's that really Because of techniques that the ones that you're mentioning. Mm -hmm. uh, now we, now have we have to define another term, understanding. Yeah. Understanding. And does a computer understand anything? Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of, uh, gradients that we can put in there, but right, there's, right. there's one fundamental concept, which is going beyond the actual uh, sense of the world, but the meaning of that, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's more about hey, understanding what is in an image, understanding what is the meaning of the text, right? It's the difference between searching for text or searching for meaning or entities or concepts, right? right. It's, it's about that. And then the last one, which is also very popular to define AI is human interactions, right? It's right, natural right. human interactions. It's how all the technologies applied to AI, what is allowing us is to remove the barrier between technology and, and humans, right? So those are the three areas that I usually- Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, for one, have a lot of experience programming artificial stupidity. So. <laughs> that's, yeah. The line I've often used is the artificial intelligence is the term you use for the tech that didn't work yet. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> when we were trying to, <laughs> to get a technology that would, you know, identify an object, we call it AI. Right. Once it could identify objects, yeah. it was a vision system. Or, or right. creepy. Yeah. yeah. Or you're too creepy, you know. <laughs> it was AI when it was trying to play chess, but when it could play chess, then it was just a chess machine. Yeah. Right. yeah. And, and that brings an interesting topic, which is, I mean, we've been doing AI for decades, decades. right? So it's yeah. just that now, and that connects with, with the techniques now, right? But it's only because we have now better techniques where we're talking about it, but we've been able to do it. I mean, we have self-driving cars right. 40 years ago. Sure. In like so, the 60s, right? But they, they weren't very good. No. So, so you mentioned image recognition, you know, object recognition and image vision systems. I think of handwriting recognition as something that you might might fall under the umbrella of yeah, AI. Absolutely. Sure. What are some of the other things that, you know, Microsoft is doing that fall under that category? I think... It, just taking a step back, I think there are two ways of looking at this, right? So one is about finished AI, and there's not a common term for that, mm. uh, which, I mean, we, yeah, we have like five pillars, and we talk, we talk about vision, we talk about speech, we talk about language, so mm -hmm. things like yeah. language understanding, sure. we talk about search, cognitive search, mm. and we talk about knowledge, is understanding uh, entities and understanding the concepts, yeah. right? But then... That's only about the finished services. Sure. But you have all this platform for developers to build whatever the mm. vertical they want to target, mm -hmm. right? And that's another set of services that, that we talk about, which is more about enabling developers to target the scenario that they are really looking for. That's really cool. Yeah. And so we don't need to talk about Skynet then, right? This is not, you're not, <laughs> yeah. there's not a, an, there's not a consciousness tool. It's, I mean, it's, here. it's, uh, I mean, we, we, we should, we should talk about the ethics behind well, this. Well, and it, it just goes back to the comment that I yeah, read as well. Yeah, comment is spot on. Well, because I don't think we need a synthetic consciousness to do serious harm to our of civilization no, with this technology. Don't. You know, and I think he, he was pressing on exactly the points, our ability to manipulate stories to affect minds mm. using machine learning tools yeah. and, lang and natural language tools. You don't need an artificial consciousness to do that. We have natural consciousness that are trying right. to do that. Yeah. So yeah. there is absolutely an ethical aspect to this. Yeah. I wonder if it's always been true for development. It's just more true right now. That we've all, you know, I think about the crazy stuff that Uber's gotten up to with their gray ball tech. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, I don't want, that's not, I wouldn't put that under the AI umbrella at all. I just think it's mean. And we should 
clarify what that is for those who don't know, they didn't follow that story that, that Uber had in their app uh, tracking software, tracking algorithms that worked even when you weren't running the app. Sure. And they would hide themselves from regulators. They would hide themselves from, from Apple. So they didn't do a lot of its nefarious stuff if it saw it was in Cupertino. Like it was these kinds. Right. And I think it was Grady Booch was on Twitter saying, I'm not angry at Uber. I'm angry at the developers right. who wrote that code. You know, and again, it's not machine learning or necessarily about AI. What it is about the ethical issues we have around software development today because of the amount of power we have available. Yeah, to us. at the end, it's, it's just realizing that software is everywhere and every business is now about software. Sure. Right. We're so all software businesses. It's a great responsibility that we have as developers. And that, as you said, is, is beyond AI, right? So mm -hmm. every time that we, that we write an application, the mm. impact of that application, not only on the business, but also on the society yeah. itself, right? It's it has huge, to be considered. Right? So I, I think Microsoft is doing a really good job of focusing on the benefits to society that AI can bring. I'm thinking about the, the uh, keynotes that they did at Build. Right. The right? safety keynotes. The safety keynotes, yeah. you know, work safety. Site. That person is not qualified to handle that particular piece of mm -hmm. equipment. Send an alert. Or right. this person is in a hospital and had a heart attack. Where is the nearest wheelchair? Those are things that can improve the quality of life and even save lives. And again, don't require an artificial consciousness. It's right. just, it's pretty much if this, then that right. tied to vision systems, speech systems, recognition systems. Like, And I think that's even going one step deeper on that outcome that you can see in the technology that we release. There's uh, and I love, I love how Satya puts that in, mm -hmm. in, even in, in, in his book, right? Is all of that is on top of the strong sense of culture right. and mm. sense, right? That, mm. that we have and purpose that we have in, in Microsoft, right? So I think that's the most important thing. If you have those principles anchored mm -hmm. really strongly, then whatever you're going to build on top of that is going to align with, with that, right? And, mm. and that's, that's something important for us, right? So that's, uh, I, I'm sure that you have seen Satya talking about this before, but just focusing AI on really augmenting people's capabilities mm -hmm. and people's ingenuity instead of replacing humans is one of the key concepts that we have. Mm -hmm. sure. And that is, I mean, that's easy to say, but it has strong implications, right? Yep. It's, it's how we believe that humans should be in the loop yeah. for many reasons. I mean, there's, there's of course, the, the reason, the fact that having humans in the loop make always this technology be accountable. Right. Because yeah, yeah. you can have accountability on the decisions that, that the algorithm is yeah, making. Yeah, it, it right. introduces an element of morality. Exactly, yeah. So that's that's one important principle. The other one, and there's a lot of research happening in there because the more we go and make progress on AI technologies, the more of a black box if it becomes. Right. And that's, that's tricky. So mm. we have to make sure that we have a balance. And as we make progress on AI, we also understand it better. Right. And we, we An know. An openness to it all. Exactly, mm -hmm. right. So, and we can track back why a decision was made and we can trace everything so we can understand better what is happening when one of these decisions happen. That on top of keeping a human in the loop, that is one of the key things that we have to. And it's certainly a talking point, especially in the deep learning space where often neural nets reasoning about the decision making is very challenging to yeah. understand mm -hmm. it's, yeah. a, it's a com and I'm, admittedly yeah. i'm jumping just because mm -hmm. i'm you know very engaged in this topic that yeah there are models there's an awful lot of machine learning models that are very clearly understood mm -hmm. right you're using the strength of the computer to look at vast numbers of numbers and organize the data but mm -hmm. you can you could work your way through it and see it mm -hmm. some of those neural net models you just don't know why right it's remarkably yeah. good at picking these things off because it did this learning model and it's very tough for us to go back and say how did it make this decision well, it's yeah. sort of like i go back to your story of fixing a problem for a customer right they had a computer that was causing problems and you solve the problem by replacing the, the computer, computer rather than fixing it and rather yeah. than fixing it and you know that it turns out that at a certain point that's the answer yeah but it doesn't answer the question what was the problem you don't care what the problem, yeah, how, yeah. how you fixed it, you care that, that you fixed that it. That it's fixed. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Yeah. David, just hold that thought for one second while we take a minute to hear a word from our sponsors. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at JetBrains. Hey, how often do you profile memory usage in your .NET apps? What if you could automate memory usage checks so that they're executed every time you commit a change? You can actually do that with .memoryUnit from JetBrains. .memoryUnit is a free unit testing framework for monitoring .NET memory usage. 
You write unit tests that check your code for all kinds of memory issues and then run the tests on your machine or in a continuous integration server like TeamCity or VSTS, just like you do with regular unit tests. You can track how much memory is allocated, check memory for objects of a specific type to prevent memory leaks, or compare several memory snapshots in a unit test to see if memory usage is creeping up. Learn more and download .memoryunit from jetbrains.netrocks.com or just search for a package called .memoryunit on the NuGet gallery. All right, and we're back. You're listening to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin, Richard Campbell here at Ignite with David Carmona. We're talking AI, we're talking ethics, we're talking neural networks and geeking out a little bit. And I just wonder that software developers seem, tend to be, I think, of the people that I know in this business, tend to have the optimistic idea that people are inherently good and given the right incentives, will always do the right thing. We know that's not true. And so, <laughs> I think it's very easy for us to write software that we can't imagine anybody using in a nefarious way. And so, it, it helps yeah, look, to have... Look at email. Yeah, right? sure, right. Spam is a perfect example of that. Mm. How could this possibly be used for anything but great intentions? So, it, I think that there have to be the cynical among us that are looking at everything that we do and saying, wait a minute. You know, here's how these things can be exploited. Here's how these things can be gamed. And this isn't just an AI question, but it's a software question. I see this in any software that I write. The first question I ask myself is, okay, how can this be taken advantage of for nefarious purposes? And especially if the, if we're living in this anonymous world, right? You look at mean comments on Facebook by anonymous people. This kind of thing, given the opportunity to be anonymous and do harm, if it benefits me, people will do it. So, I don't know. I think that we have to have those cynical people out there looking at everything that we do and saying, wait a second, this could be a problem. So, I guess this isn't something that software can solve, I don't think. Is, or is it? Isn't there a group of the AI tech companies and specifically the cloud companies where you're sort of looking at some governance around this? Yeah, I think that there are a couple of ways of, of looking at this. This is, uh, as you said before, it's not different yeah. from, from any other sure. uh, advancement that we have in software development, right? And uh, I think we need to think uh, on, on two different angles. One is we have to come together, that's for sure, right? So there are, and there are a number of partnerships already in the industry that are very interesting to have those conversations, right? Because yeah. they're, they're hard conversations they to have. And they are not, I think, something very unique in the sense of the of AI, is that these conversations are not only conversations that should include technology companies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So governments, communities, even uh, academic institutions should mm. be part of this conversation, right? So there's, there, there's one that we're part of in, in Microsoft, which is partnership on AI. Mm -hmm. And every single big vendor on AI is part of that. And that's, that's something basic that we should, that we should do, right? So there should be a forum for us to discuss these hard topics mm -hmm. and step back while we are moving on AI, mm -hmm. right? Because the sooner we have those conversations, the better. So that's right. one thing. Yeah. The other thing that I think is, is important is we have to share. This This can't be a black box, right? So right. we have to think uh, on, hey, what are, just like for, I remember 20 years ago, right? Remember those, those the guidance for creating Windows applications, right? Yes. So every developer knows what is the style, how mm -hmm. a Windows application <laughs> is supposed to behave, right? We have to do the same thing for AI applications, sure. right? And we're starting to do that. So you will see that uh, we're starting to talk more and provide guidance uh, and, and talk about that in conferences, right? So not only about the technology, but hey, what are the principles that you as developer mm -hmm. can take so this is aligned with a strong values and principles, right? And we take that. So what we're basically doing is the principles that we have internally. So we spend time internally to tell every developer in Microsoft who's doing anything related to AI, they have to adhere to a set of principles on right. how they treat the data, how their AI will be used, mm -hmm. uh, things like accessibility for uh, users of that yes. AI, right? So that we are using that and we are sharing that with the developer community, right? I think those are small steps, but we have to. I mean, it's, it's important that we don't focus only on the technology side, but also on the implications. Well, I, I just like the intentionality of that, that you have, if you, you, you have to think about this at least before, yeah. as you get involved. Otherwise, it'll sneak up on you. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and that's exactly the way that we position it is, mm -hmm. hey, before you do anything with AI, just look at this, be familiar with this. I mean, there are obvious things, right? But if you take them and you, you put it in your mind before you start mm -hmm. developing, 
it will be much easier, right? And, and it's just part of the process. It makes a lot of sense. And, it, and it's cool to see the partnership in AI and just this idea that you can come up with a set of standards. It occurs to me that an awful lot of this code's going to run in the cloud anyway. So yeah. in some respects, the major cloud vendors, including Microsoft, are going can be gatekeepers to some of this technology. Mm. I mean, you can you can look at the cloud. I look at the cloud more as an enabler, right? Because right. the, the reality is that the compute power that you require for the most complex uh, scenarios on yes. AI, you are going to require a lot of compute that without those cloud providers, it, it makes would no be sense. impossible for yeah. any company or enterprise to address one of these scenarios. So sure. the cloud is really democratizing AI and not really containing it, right? Because, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about the investment needed to have and think about the demo that we saw the other day in the keynote, right? 15,000 cores right. that you can spin in one click, yep. do your AI training, and then shut them off. And shut it back. And that's the, the whole thing when you're talking about those deep learning models is that the hardest part is the training part. So you exactly. need three or four times more compute than is required to operate a model, mm. to train the model. You don't want to pay for that huge infrastructure. Yeah, imagine if every company had to buy it. Had to buy it. Yeah, yeah that so would be great. That, that would mean that AI would belong only to a few companies. Sure. Right? So that's, that's, that's much more challenging as opposed to run it by the hour. And in fact, do your job faster because you rent far more so you can get that model computed quickly and then can dial it back down again. That is a great example of utility computing. Yeah. Like that's exactly what you want, that short duration problem being solved. I just wonder if the partnership on AI, one of the things is going to be sort of scrutinizing the kind of models and things that you're doing. Like, do we need to put rules around that? Do we have to be aware of what's being done on that infrastructure? It doesn't go to that level of uh, implementation. So the uh, partnership with AI is more about defining what are those principles, sure. right? And and there's a lot of work to do there. Then how that translate into things like regulations, mm -hmm. into things like guidance, norms, etc. That's something that is part of the journey. We're not there yet. Yeah. The key thing uh, for that to happen, and that is something that is definitely part of this. A forum is having the regulatory uh, institutions as part of that, right? Because right. we, we do believe that this will require uh, specific regulations, right? And, and that some is point, something I'm that sure. technology companies shouldn't do. <laughs> well, I would also argue you do not want lawyers doing it in a vacuum either. I think, exactly. I think it's, in, it's important for industry, yeah. you know, for the experts to have a voice and to mm -hmm. make, help make a plan that ultimately are likely to, to lead to some level of regulation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Try and do it better than the internet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you think about the twists and struggles of the internet along mm -hmm. the way, which have lots of good intentioned people mm -hmm. and unexpected changes. Yeah. We, you know, yeah. we've got to be more thoughtful with this particular set of tools. Yeah. And I think one of the, one of the key learnings from the internet is how this is something that should happen with a combination of government. Mm-hmm. And technology companies. I agree. If, if, if they are separated, then they run at different speeds and one is always behind the other and the other way around, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. it's complex. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, it must be that happy time again. Yep. It's time to tell an artificially intelligent joke, which will be rated by the new Microsoft Humor Recognition Service. And I think this service is dumber than a bag of hammers. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you. Franklin, you get a score of negative zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. That's how your jokes usually go. I know. But, you know, I think if you don't insult <laughs> the service, you might actually get a better rating. Oh, uh, that's something. Yeah. That's the, uh, that's the takeaway there. It's actually <laughs> time to give away a D-Experience subscription to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Become a UI superhero with DevExpress UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation, touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. And check out their DevExtreme React Grid, built from the ground up to fully support all the cool features that come with React, like the virtual DOM and state controllers like Redux. It supports master detail, sorting, grouping, paging, and editing. And you can check it out and test it for free on GitHub. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial of DevExpress Universal at devexpress.com slash superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Rob Howarth. Congratulations, Rob. Oh. 
Yeah. Rob just won a big pile of awesome from DevExpress, the D Experience subscription, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December we give away $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club, but you have to sign up to win. And David, we'd like to ask our guest, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? And I know that you're going to say more access to the Microsoft Humor Recognition Service. And that's the first thing, of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is the cloud considered a gadget? Uh, <laughs> yeah. More, more cloud? You haven't got yeah. enough cloud? More Azure credits? No, I <laughs> think I think I could I could uh, spend, if not all, most of it on on my secret kind of hobby, which is virtual reality, right? Uh, so that's, uh, I, I, I've been always since, wow, since virtual reality was not a thing, mm -hmm. uh, I, I always So do you have an Oculus Rift it. or a Vive? No, that's why uh, I would spend this money. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this was back in, even in high school and then in college, yeah. I don't know how, but I convinced my teacher to buy one and at that time that was not an Oculus. really that was expensive pretty, yeah. pretty expensive hardware mm. i don't know how i did that but that changed my life and that was i remember that the resolution of that was 320 by 200 <laughs> oh, nice. and it looked awesome to me uh, so i i did spend a nerdy moment but i did spend a lot of time in college creating like a editing environment for 3d so nice. you could model the the objects in 3d and then define the behavior of the wall and uh, so creating like an editor for virtual yeah. reality i nice. think i would that that carry another spin yeah, it's like you're building the crisis <laughs> engine or the rage engine, the, the 3D model environment that the, yeah. the gaming's using. Yeah, and if you combine it with AI, that's that's heaven. I yeah. remember <laughs> seeing a video, and we we shared this on the show. Uh, it was a video of somebody using an Oculus Rift to build themselves a developer environment in the Oculus Rift. So, essentially, they made a screen right. and whatever they typed went on the screen. So you're seeing the Oculus yeah. Rift, right? You're seeing what you're typing, but in a virtual screen. <laughs> and yeah. then you could actually type, create statements to build graphics all around you yeah. while you're in the world. Yeah. And I just thought that was so meta. It's and very so, ma matrixy. Yeah. Uh, it was great. <laughs> really interesting. I don't think we did this on the show. But I think it was a conversation in between shows this week. We were talking about the folks that are using VR to help people learn to walk again. Yeah. But they, even when their nerves have healed, they don't know how to do the signals mm. and you can do therapy all day long and it may or may not work. But when you put on these goggles and are immersed in a world where you are walking, mm. it starts to actually modify your body. That's really exciting. It's very interesting, just the, the capability to to simulate the world well enough to even fool your own nerve endings. Give, you some, give your brain some feedback that it otherwise wasn't getting. Yeah, they, you know, yeah. It's, it's very interesting to me. So, hmm. so many different possibilities. And of course, we're coming in, I'm looking forward to seeing what the new hardware is coming out at the end of this year for the yeah. VR hardware. Me too. Um, I, haven't, I haven't invested in Oculus Rift yet. It needs a lot of computer. I, I got the, uh, as I said, I got the, the version 2 developer that, edition that was edition. sort of low res and gave me headaches yeah. and stuff. But, <laughs> yeah. And it was cheaper than the production unit because they went right. to that higher resolution, higher only, frame rate. Only a few hundred dollars, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's crazy times, David. Like, it, it's fun to have been in computing this long and just seeing where we are right now. And If you look at it, it's so interesting to see how technologies that were discarded, I would even say discarded, right. right, at that time, now because of the new possibilities on both the hardware, but also about the algorithms yeah. that, that we have, yeah. they are, th there's a renaissance, right? And those two, AI, I mean, I, I remember also at the same time in, in college, 20, more than 20 years ago, <laughs> doing neural nets. Yeah, neural right? nets in the AI. And it was the yeah. most awesome thing ever. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we were like, wow, this is a new wall of possibilities, right? right? And then because we didn't have enough hardware right. Uh, right. To, to run those models, it, it, it was just not practical, right? It's so it, the, we have another winter. The internet has brought us so much more data. Mm. It's a much easier to find yeah. a training set today than it's ever been before. Yeah. Right. So yeah, huge amounts of compute, utility data, computing. Compute, 
and algorithms. And, yeah, yeah, that combination is, all those is, things is together. key. And then VR was exactly the same, right? So when, when I was in, in college working on this, I thought, I mean, in a couple of years, I'm going to be working on this. There's no question sure. that this will be on every home, right? And 20 years later, yeah, and, sure. and this is starting to well, pick up, right? Yeah, so, finally high enough resolutions and fast enough compute. Moore's yeah. law, you know, applies to make it real enough that it doesn't make you sick yeah. and it and it's manageable. So mm. yeah, here, here we are. And I feel like we've done a somewhat academic conversation so far about AI, but I, sure. I, I re- I'm happy to set let's that groundwork. Let's talk about code. I think there's some .NET developers out there going, Yay. what do I write? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what to type. Yes. <laughs> yes, let's just spend some time there. Where do you want to start? Yeah, okay. How about the uh, cognitive services? I yeah. mean, they, they just keep coming out with more and more good stuff. One of the App Phoenix guys wrote a HoloLens app called What Dat. you basically look at something and say what that and then it goes up to uh, takes a snapshot sends it up to object recognition stuff and so cognitive services is is a great way of getting uh, into ai very quickly right Mm. and uh, the way that i usually explain the approaches of doing ai development is is kind of two different starting points they all end in the same place yeah but two different ways of looking at it. One is starting with finished services, right? right? And, and that's cognitive services, right? This, we train the models for you. We right. decide the algorithm for you. We decide how many layers this deep neural net, what is the connectivity between them. So all that complexity, we take care of it. Right. And then we expose it as a service. This has sort of been the breakthrough in speech. I mean, I remember going back to the 80s, right? The Dragon Ashley speaking board that you had to train. Right. Mm-hmm. And now the speech services and cognitive services, it just works. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So for training those services, uh, you need a huge amount of data that not everybody uh, has access to. You need huge compute and you need also deep knowledge and expertise on Mm -hmm. building those, those neural nets, right? So that, that is a great way of starting. Now, the traditional problem with that approach is that it's usually difficult to use it for your particular scenario, Hmm. right? So that's, that was our key goal that uh, we announced last build yep. is how we're extending these services so they can be customized, right? And we have that customization across all the areas. Yeah. So, for example, speech recognition, right? So that our speech recognition service, yeah, you can start from what is coming out of the box, but then you can customize it with your own data. So, for example, if you have a kiosk with a specific noise conditions, mm-hmm. you can upload to the service a recording for that environment and it will custom train the model on top of that, nice. on top of the training that we do for that particular scenario. We have mm. that also for vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are a specific scenario that is going to be using custom vocabulary, that is not going to work out of the box on any service. So we right. provide the way for you to customize it. And, it, and it's certainly when you get to specific applications, there's often a glossary of terms that are important in that app and exactly. nowhere else. Yeah, it's oh critical that you have that. And there's mm. not a lot of uh, services like this that can uh, provide that. And the same thing for every service, right? So we have the same thing for vision. Mm-hmm. So hey, out of the box, it will recognize a flower. Right. Right, but yeah, yeah. what flower? Or it will recognize a, a bottle. But if you are in a manufacturing company and yeah. you want to distinguish between different types of, of bottle, you need to customize that. Sure. So we allow you to upload your own images to, to customize. I, I get service. the feeling that, you know, behind the scenes in these cognitive services, you're constantly upgrading and training the models, right? So, for example, in 2017 your experience of object recognition is going to be very different than what it was last year, what it's going to be next yeah. year. Yeah, it's the perfect scenario for a service because we are always in the edge of yeah, the right. research. So you always have access to the... And you're always training it with more and more yeah. uh, mm. images and yeah. this is what that is. And yeah. yeah. So that's that's cognitive services. That That's definitely the first place that would start to infuse AI into mm. my applications, right? Because mm. it's... It, it has a lot of flexibility right. without the complexity of building yourself. But then there's there's another path, right? Another journey, which is a starting from the other extreme, which is building your own AI, right? And, yeah, okay. Uh, that that our goal in Microsoft is is also if the other one was about adding flexibility to something that is productive, right? In this case, it's adding productivity to something that is flexible. Right? <laughs> so that's that's our goal. This ignite was all about that for right. us, right? So we we announced uh, things like new tooling. I mean, we believe we are believers of 
tooling, right? right of tools, sure. of course. And and in my case in particular, I mean, it's we a tools all know company. what, yeah, we <laughs> all know what a, a, a good tool can do in your sure. uh, in your experience. Not yeah. only productivity, but also the lowering the friction so more people can get access to it, mm -hmm. right? So we announced this week, uh, for example, Visual Studio, the extension for Visual Studio Code, mm. so you can do AI, right? So it's adding productivity, things like mm. deep learning, from the open uh, point of view, of course, so you have access to any deep learning framework out there from Cognitive Toolkit to TensorFlow to Cafe sure. uh, and adding things that they sound very obvious for developers because mm -hmm. we had those for years in software development, but right. they are not on the AI world, right? Yeah. So things like IntelliSense, debugging, autocompletion, code mm -hmm. navigation, agility, right? Those concepts are concepts that were not on, on, on AI, right? So, and then uh, on top of that, we, we added also tools that uh, are more focused on the data prep. At the end for AI, it's critical that you can sanitize your data. And sure. You spend a lot of time, unfortunately, on that, which is not the best way of that using your time. comes with the job, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an ugly part of the job. They, we saw like 80% of the time on any developer doing AI being, right. I was data going cleaning. to say wasted, yeah. <laughs> but almost wasted on, on data cleaning, right? So, but it's the thing that a human has to do, right? I mean, at this point, yeah. How, well, do you have AI to clean data for AI? Yeah, but you, you saw what what we did there. It's, it's actually kind of that, right? So it right was on. very cool. So uh, we, we had this concept of pros, which is basically by example, you are able to, so you give examples on how the sanitized data looks like. Okay. And then out of that, the system will infer the rules and it will apply to all your data, right? So we saw that in some demos. Like, it's like magic, right? So you have a column that is all ugly that you don't see anything in there. Right. And then you write some concepts that you want to extract, like examples. So for example, if there's a date in a some weird format in the middle, right. you just put examples mm. on what you it. want to extract as a date, and the whole thing will infer how to do it for the rest of the data, right? Wow. So that kind of tools within that are going to be super interesting, not only to increase the productivity, but also to, to bring AI to more people. So are you saying that as I clean my data, it learns that yeah. what I did, how I did it, and how it ended Is up looking, that and, cool. and after I spend maybe an hour cleaning data, it can probably do the yeah, rest. It's, it's actually way less, right? So the examples really? that we showed our day is in sometimes with a couple of examples, you are done. Huh. So you, you give the system a couple of examples and automatically you will see blur all the other data uh, being cleaned. And the good thing is that behind the scenes is creating code. So then you can take that code and you can put it in your uh, production system in the cloud and you can scale to any data that you have. Totally awesome. I was, I, you made me suddenly think of what the image recognition stuff. There was a Microsoft Cambridge project about identifying dog breeds. Yeah. And I quickly looked it up. It's still up. I'll put the link in the show notes, but it's called what-dog.net. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what dog? And so I literally <laughs> just grabbed, I have a dog. He's a Cairn Terrier. He chases bears because he's insane. Yeah. And I grabbed a picture of my wife holding him and fired it to it. He goes, that's a Cairn Terrier. I'm like, it's mm. astonishing when you really think. I, I think you have to be enough of a software person to understand how hard that problem is. The complexity of that you try to is. do it by yourself. And, right. and, and, and I was feeling bad because I put a picture, you know, with my wife in it too. It's right. like, oh, they're not going to figure this up. No problem. No, not a big mm. deal. Mm. It's a really interesting aspect of the whole training just to sort of deal with stuff that we as humans just do naturally. Yeah. I wonder uh, just there's a – element of this whole you need to be a data scientist or you have to have you know been in the research that you know what to worry about to try mm -hmm. and make this work that's what you were talking about that, building yeah, your that, own that's, artificial that's yeah. one of the it, it's, it's a moment where we are now that to be honest i'm not gonna say that it's easy right, right. so we as developers we've been going through these transformations all the time mm -hmm. and right. we're successful i mean it's part of the job right so we have to reinvent ourselves every time well right, i also right. argue that this is what microsoft's been good at for years absolutely is, is letting us as traditional developers pick up these new skills. So I think the, the critical thing for us in Microsoft is to make it easier, to yeah. make that transition easier, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, with things like, hey, let's bring AI to where you are right now. Right. And then you move with that. So bringing AI to Visual Studio, for example, for us, we think is, is a critical step in, in that direction. Right. right. And, and bringing concepts. We brought, so some of the things that, that we announced the, the other day is bringing concepts that we're using for software development that we weren't using for AI, DevOps. Right. I mean, DevOps. We didn't have DevOps yeah. for AI. How, how bad is that? Right. So <laughs> having, having the concept of a continuous delivery, right? Continuous, continuous integration, yeah. having the concept of 
simply collaborating in the team. That's something that we didn't have, right? So that's something that we just released is an experimentation service mm-hmm. that people, developers can use to uh, not only experiment with the models, but also have them under source control, right? right and, yeah. on it, uh, and, and then being able to see the history there so I can understand how my model is progressing and then being able to collaborate and share that model with somebody else and, yeah. and bringing it to production with a developer injecting it into an application, right? So that life cycle that sounds so obvious <laughs> for yeah. us developers yeah. is not that obvious. In, but in it's AI. not tooling that I don't think has existed before to actually no. build a real workflow around building a better AI model Mm -hmm. for a given project. So it occurs to me that you have these great object recognition vision systems and stuff, but on the audio side, it tends to be not so general. It tends to be more specific, like speech recognition, right? Mm -hmm. Like music recognition. What was it? Shazam? You know, the thing where you could be listening to Identifying a song. Identifying a song, right? However, there is no such thing, as far as I know, of just taking a recording of anything, setting that up in the cloud and having the cloud give you a general idea of what's going on in that audio, right? Mm -hmm. But this is something that we, our brains, is ancient, right? I mean, processing audio is more high fidelity than vision. And life-saving. This is how you know the tiger's stalking you, right? Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. absolutely ancient. So, if you just close your eyes and sit you know, and, and listen to something, whatever environment you're in, the general classification of what's going on is actually really a complex problem mm-hmm. and something that I don't see anywhere. They, they are, I mean, there's, there's a project in the world for anything sure. nowadays. Yeah. Right? So there are some projects that I'm aware that are not in the genera- general sense yeah. of it, of anything from voice to an animal, <laughs> uh, but uh, there's already uh, deep learning models to right. recognize what you're listening right. to. I mean, this is bacon frying. This is a yeah. barred owl in the woods. These are peepers, you know. Yeah, uh, there are some interesting projects on this that. This is a coffee <laughs> machine. This is a Keurig machine. You think about the, the ability of a master mechanic to listen to an engine and say, this is out of adjustment. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. A project that, that I was exposed recently is this wind, you know, power yeah, wind uh, stations, turbines. They have, of course, they want, like any other manufacturer company, they love to predict any problem in sure. the equipment, in right? Events. Not only to know what is happening, but also predict what is going to happen. Mm-hmm. So they found that the cheapest way to do it was based on the sound. The wow. sound of the generating, turbine. Right. So they have these small devices using AI. So they hear the vibration. Right. And then they're able to identify problems on the turbine or even predict what is going to happen well, in the future, course, which is crazy. There's just another sense, right? And, that, and that's a good neural net application. You, you, you basically correlate what the sound is with, you know, did that thing break down? What were the problems? Well, and how many times have you heard something go, that doesn't sound good? Right. Oh, yeah, the, the car. Yeah, we've been doing that the, for years. The engine, right? <laughs> a fan bearing, like any of those right. things, yeah. right? The challenge now is you're talking about an offshore wind turbine where there's nobody to listen but a seagull. Right. And the fact that you can put instrumentation on it goes, that noise is not the same. And again, very specific. Like you wouldn't probably see a Microsoft cognitive service for, you know, diagnose your car by mm. the audio it makes. You know, no. Right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's something that people would have to write. Would have to build, but it, it, it often, you know, arguably makes a lot of sense. And I'm still going to make a call back to the comment, right? Mm-hmm. This is this whole, what can you infer from the data you have? Right. You know, uh, whether that's audio or visual, like I just like this statement of understand the world in the AI space. It's like given a set of senses that now represent data, what can you infer? Heck, infrared in information, sure. radiation. Well, that's an interesting aspect, isn't it? Let's go outside of human senses yeah, right. into, you know, more extreme senses mm. that, that this ability to do multispectral a- analysis. Right. Uh, in, in the end, audio is just a lower frequency light, right? It's sort of a high tech version of, well, squalls are coming because my big toes throbbing. That's right. right. You know? yeah. <laughs> Very much the high tech version of that. I mean, certainly on the cognitive service side, it seems super approachable now. It's just a set of APIs. You call out to it. You don't mm-hmm. need to know an awful mm-hmm. lot. Every experiment I've ever done with this stuff, it just worked. It was almost anticlimactic. Yeah. But it does seem still more challenging, and I guess with the announcements is that have just come, to really sit down and say, I want to build something. Yeah, the, the, the other thing that we as Visual Studio developers right. are very used for, for application development is 
how many times we have learned a technology by doing file new project. Yep. Yeah. That template. <laughs> oh, yeah. That is a lifesaver, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, so we are using the same paradigm, right? So we're yeah. trying to use a lot of the good learnings that we have for software, traditional software development to, to AI. So now in these tools, you have the concept of file new project and we are creating a bunch of templates oh, wow. that, that goes from predictive analytics to demand forecasting to marketing algorithms to Anything that you can think of, you have a template that you can start from and then you can customize. So you don't need to start from scratch or you can use it just for learning. Hey, how should I approach this? Let, let's see how this template is approaching this problem. So, sure. so let's get back to this appli potential application of, you know, diagnosing a car by its sound. I'm going to have something that is in my car all the time when I'm driving and recording it and sending that data up into a, a data bank somewhere and then uh, correlating that with the other things that I pull off the computer of my car, right? Mm. Maybe I have that. And I, I guess what I'm saying is, given the current environment of AI in Azure, where would I start with that? I mean, I you're typically talking about data that can be stored in a database. There's numbers, there, you know, but now we're talking about binary data. Now we're talking about audio data. Mm -hmm. How on earth do we get any kind of meaning yeah. out of that? Well, that brings another very interesting topic to discuss, which is the edge. So in that situation, I don't even know if I would go to the cloud for that. Yeah. Right. So I would, I would think of a model that brings that intelligence to my car. Yeah. That is, uh, that is connected to the cloud, but not right. continuously. So I, 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 I wouldn't send an audio stream probably to the cloud in real time, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So would you Fair do enough. the learning in the cloud and then exactly. take the learned that's model and load, run it yeah, lo so locally? The, that's the whole DevOps concept as mm -hmm. part of these services that we're announcing has mm. a lot of that, right? right. So you can, manage your training, understand the history of that. Right. in uh, this big infrastructure. It, yeah, mm. in the cloud infrastructure, right? So you can spin thousands of cores for that. Mm. But once you've got right? a good model. But then once you have the model, you deploy it. And the way that you deploy it is to package it in a container. Right. So yeah. we do support the ability to take that scoring. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. not the training part, but the scoring part. Right. You put it in a container. And now you deploy that container anywhere you want. The cloud... Sure. On premises or all the way to the edge, right? Mm. So that, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, in these scenarios, it's critical that we have a, a model like that, that you have, uh, even in cases that you don't even know where the model is going to be. Right? So right. you need something that can extract you from that. Absolutely. Well, David, thank you very much for talking to us. It's fascinating. The stuff that you guys are doing is great. And I love the fact that these services just keep getting smarter and smarter and we should be using it more and more. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to, to the audience listening, I we would love to get your opinion here. So you ask .NET developers, where are you, what are the key things that you need? Yeah. How can we help you more to infuse AI into your application? Mm. So uh, happy Fantastic. to hear any comment on that. Absolutely. Thanks again, David. And they will get a Mac, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We always do. <laughs> Thanks again, David. Thank you very much. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a